welcome to MILF Talk, Make Your Life Fabulous. I'm Sophie Venable, author, life coach, and mother of two. Whether you're married with children, single, divorced, or all of the above, I'm talking to you about life, sex, relationships, and parenting. And usually when we're talking about parenting, I'm talking about communication, right? Mm -hmm. Because that is everything when it comes to staying connected to your kids. So parenting has a whole new set of challenges these days. Right, Todd? Todd's here. Hey, Todd. Hey, how's it going? Yes. Yeah, our parents didn't have to deal with social media, 24-7 access. Oh, God. Yeah. They could just flip off the one screen in the house, right? They could just, you know, sorry, no more TV for you. There weren't the violent video games and the instant access to porn and, like, everything, yeah. right? Okay. Life is so much better now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, but there is. There is an upside to this. There is, okay? Um, the um, But it also brings in another challenge that we have to rise to, right? We have um, the teens can go online and they can realize that they're not alone in their issues, which is super cool, right? Mm -hmm. You can see like 15,000 responses to a post of, you know, why do I feel this way or what's going on with me or I've been cutting or I've been doing this or doing, and they realize they're not alone. And that's just incredibly valuable in the healing process and even starting it and reaching out, Mm -hmm. right? So this is... um, you know, as we strive to raise more self-aware, authentically living future adults, you know, we as parents, we have to uh, deal with more as they start to really reveal their dreams and hopes and authentic selves to us, right? We're like, right. hey, be who you are. But then they say, this is who I am. And you're like, ah, freaking out, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we're talking about National Coming Out Day today, October 11th. In a few days is National Coming Out Day today. So what are you going to do if your kid comes out to you and says, hey, mom, hey, dad, I'm gay? How do you deal with it? I don't right. Know. So my guest today is a nationally recognized expert working with LGBT teens and their families during the coming out process. Ta-da! Huh. See, we're always helpful around here. Um, he's here to share about the pain and the joy and the angst and the laughter that these families experience along the way. He's doing great work out there, and I'm so pleased to have him here today. Please welcome John Sovek. Get applause for being a therapist. I Isn't that cool? It. Thank you guys for inviting me <laughs> yes. here today. Thank I love you. that. Yeah. So well, I'm really happy to have you. So um, happy October 11th. Mm-hmm. How long has this been going on? Uh, this, wow, uh, National Nash- Coming Out Day has been going on for, I believe, over 20 years now. Are you kidding me? And the thing that's great about it is not to... <laughs> I hey, had no, no idea. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, seriously, I had no idea. Okay. Yeah, it's not just for kids coming out. It's for adults coming sure. out. It's for people coming out at different levels of experience. Maybe you're out at home, but you're not out at work. And oh, it's a really yeah. amazing, amazing day of just people sharing their stories. Wow. Yeah. And so, I mean... Is there literally, do you have like a peak in business, you know, after October 11th? I mean, is this something people use to feel... I think it brings a Motivated? lot of people to to bring that story out into the world. Wow. It encourages them to say, look, this is that day, and I'm going to take the risk today. And not just with teenagers, with adults, too. And that's the thing that's so fascinating about my work is, although I work with teenagers primarily, I have lots of adults who say, can you help me in the coming out process? Sure. So you help, do you help people leading up to coming out day on, on how to sort that out? And, oh, yeah. yeah cool. Absolutely. What's yeah. that like? 
It's a really fascinating process, and it's a little bit different with teens and adults. Um, they're going through a lot of the same story, looking at you know how shame may have influenced their you know ability to come out, how family dynamics could have affected it, and mm-hmm. at the same time, what maybe Matt Damon has done. <laughs> <laughs> well, in a very round, round, round way. way. Oh, it all comes back to Matt, doesn't it? You're so mad. I am okay. mad about his Damon explaining. And what, what, what was the joke the other day? It finally explained why Ben Affleck. And Matt aren't together, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a good yeah. one. I didn't hear but that. it's it's really fascinating because even the kids and the adults as they come out, they're all going through the same developmental moment. They're going to this place of saying, This is who I am and I'm ready to make this statement. So although they may be doing it at different ages, mm-hmm. the actual experience experience of it goes through a lot of the same storyline. Oh, I would imagine. Oh yeah. And and yeah. almost I would think as an adult, you've got more history, more luggage, more uh, trails behind you that uh, maybe long-term friendships, relationships that may feel like, but I've known you for 20 years and, you know, why did you hide this from me or keep this from me? Or, you know, people take shit that's not about them totally personally and make it about them. <laughs> well, and you know, as you say that, a lot of the issues for an adult coming out is the people that are closest to them yeah. are the ones that it's harder to invite this new story into. Yeah. Like complete strangers is like, hey, hey, I'm gay now. Right, you but get the fresh start. who are absolutely the closest to them are the ones that have the most trouble adjusting to this new story. Mm-hmm. And usually the biggest question that comes up is, were you lying to me all these years? Did you not truly love me? Did we not have a close friendship? Didn't you not trust me? Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And so that makes it a really big story for these adults who are in this coming out process, having to deal with these long term life stories. I remember um, I I used to do theater and um, I remember a good friend of mine was really angry when he found out that one of the other guys in the cast was gay. Mm -hmm. He was he he was upset about it in a really unusual way. I, I didn't understand what was going on for him. I'm like, well, you're really upset about this. And um, and, and it turns out he was gay. So, I mean, he was obviously struggling with his own issue, but it, I remember very well in the moment not understanding. He was so distraught about this news, which I wasn't super surprised about, but he was really taken back by it and um, and then within about two years I think he had come out as well. You well know? the thing that I say is going on in that moment and this is both for parents of teens mm-hmm. and for adult friends and relationships is there's actually a grieving process that's taking place. Mm. I mean my story of you has been a certain way. Um, if it's with a kid, mm. most parents mm-hmm. are like, my baby is born. I look down at it as I'm holding it in my arms, look at its little eyes and say, someday you're going to go through college and get married and I'm going to have grandchildren, a little picket mm-hmm. fence and all of that. And when that story gets broken, there's mm. a grieving process that goes on for the person who's receiving that information. And just like you're talking about your friends in this moment, they had an image of who this person was. Mm -hmm. And suddenly this image shifts dramatically Mm. and they have to grieve the idea of who they thought the person was so then they can meet them where they're at and actually find this new delicious person who's presented to them. That's an interesting way to look at it. So then what's the experience for a teen? Is Is there an age of knowing That's like a great mystery out there. Is there an age of knowing? Well, that is a brilliant question. And when you ask kids, a lot of them know a lot earlier than people think they should. 
Um, mm. Parents will always be caught in this moment of like, well, how do you know this? You just came out to me. And the kids will often identify that they knew it as young as like six, seven, eight, mm -hmm. but they didn't have the language to actually learn how to express it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it's an internal process that moves from deep inside ourselves to a being willing to proclaim it and state it out into the world. So that's why we use this idea of calling it the coming out process, because mm. it's not just a one-time thing. It's like, hey, mom, dad, I'm gay, and it's all good. It's like, wow, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> It'd be nice if it was that yeah. Right. yeah, right? Yeah. But for the kids, they're thinking about it. They're finding out what it means to them. They're starting to explore what it would feel like actually taking on one of those identities. And then by the time they come to their parents, they've done a ton of processing. But they hand right. it to the parents or an adult handing it to some other adult. And all of a sudden, that person's like, wait, what? And they're trapped in their own story of letting go and transitioning themselves. So the coming out process, it's like dropping a pebble in the middle of a pond. Mm -hmm. And it just keeps rippling out. And yeah. it's different, I imagine, for everybody, given you know what family they come from and they're living with. I remember when I was a, a freshman in college, one of my best friends who I did theater with, I, I actually asked him point blank, and he wasn't out, and I asked him if he was gay, and I, I tried to assure him, I'm okay with it if you are, and he got really mad at me for even asking. And then a year later, he was out, but he didn't never told me. Like After that, like he didn't talk to me very much. Mm. And then I found out later that he was gay. And now we're friends on Facebook and all that stuff. But at the time, I was like, well, why wouldn't you come out to me? What's wrong with me? <laughs> well, the thing about that, too, is that our comfortability of coming out depends on a lot of our factors about how we were raised. If you grow up in a very religious family, mm -hmm. there's a bigger barrier you're stepping over to come sure. out. If you are from a family that has It's very, kind of a big deal if you're going to burn in hell for it. Well, there is that. Right? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then also, if you have a family where there are like really strongly identified gender roles, you know, the guy does yes. this, the woman does this, mm -hmm. that it's a harder transition there mm -hmm. as well, too. And there are lots of other factors that influence how easy it is for me as a person to make this statement into the world. Because if you think about it, especially in the religious context, mm -hmm. I'm not just necessarily giving up um, my connection to that religion. I'm losing a community as well. Mm -hmm. um, because yeah. there is a lot of rejection from religious communities mm -hmm. towards the LGBT community. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I have stories that are just going on, but we'll just be here all day. <laughs> but it, it, and, and it's so painful because that is this family that has provided so much nurturing and compassion and safety. And there's so many beautiful things about a religious community. Um, and, and to have that rug pulled out from under you publicly mm -hmm. and severely is devastating. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And if you think about that happening, what do kids often replace that with then? Maybe drugs, maybe mm -hmm. alcohol, maybe going into depression. Mm -hmm. So they're using these other aspects of themselves to kind of self-medicate this rejection that they felt. And it doesn't even have to be overt rejection, as mm -hmm. in out of the house, I don't want you living here. It can even be this covert kind of like, well, we love you and we'll embrace this of you, mm -hmm. but it's the... But we know, don't want to know. But anything. we don't want to yeah. know and we don't want anybody else to know. Mm -hmm. You Don't keep be bringing somebody home for Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Same gender. Yeah. You're, you're a beautiful child, but you're still a little bit damaged, so we're going to take care of you. And right. that message, kids pick up on all of that so oh, strongly. Yeah. You they can't do. fool them. Yeah. So what... What would you like 
parents to know about those that time leading up to coming out to them? What would you like them to empathize with? Well, I think one of the first places parent can start is have a discussion between the parents, parental unit and decide what it means to you. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times parents actually say they have a suspicion or they have an idea. Yeah. And what happens is families put out a lot of messages about how the family unit sees being gay or lesbian. Maybe there's a television show on and there's a gay character and they're like, oh, switch the channel. Or mm -hmm. there's a report on the news and there's like, oh, turn it down. I don't want to hear that. And mm -hmm. these are these like just kind of minor waves that roll through the family. And kids pick up on this. Oh, yeah. And they learn very quickly it's okay or not okay for me to share this message. And it doesn't have to be something so dramatic as, you know, no gays in our household. It can be these really subtle things too. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important for parents to understand what it would mean to them if one of their kids was gay, bisexual, transgender. Mm -hmm. And these are discussions I think any parent should be thinking about in oh, their mind. Oh, sure. I mean, how old are your kids? Uh, my kids are 12 and 15. We've had okay. lots of talks about this <laughs> stuff. Because, you know, my daughter was like, somebody asked me out. You know, this girl asked me out. And I was like, oh, like, how do you, how do you feel about that? You know, and she's like, well, I mean, she's she's really pretty, you know. And and, and, I, and she's like, but I don't, I mean, and I, I, I like hanging out with her. I'm like, do you want to kiss her? She's like, no. I'm like. Well, then you probably just want to be friends, you know, like either like either way, you know, she's like, but I'm when I'm around this guy, I feel like this. And I'm like, yeah, it's probably, probably where you're leaning. But <laughs> isn't that you know? a beautiful discussion to have openly with her? Yeah. And it's so fun because I get to know her, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. it's so much more fun to talk to your kids about these things. How about that for being a reason, if nothing else? Well, and usually the reasons you know? have to do with the parents' own stigmatization of these stories. Yeah. You know, if we look generationally, it's only within the last 10 to 15 years that this movement has happened where parents are a little bit more open about having these conversations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the big cities, you know, Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, Miami, San Francisco, there's definitely a lot more resource and a lot of more openness about this conversation. But the minute you move away from those big centers, mm -hmm. you do start finding some of the old stories still exist. And I think that's part of the importance about getting this message out, that it's a beautiful process. Support your kids in this. Learn more about them. Hug them. Kiss them. Love them. Come converse with them. Because you're not going to change it. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it, it just is what it is. Yeah. Right. You're not going to change it. I guess you saying that this is relatively new, 10 to 15 years, it brings up the grandparents. It brings up the extended family in my mind. That's what I think of, because mm. because I, I I mean, who knows? I don't know. I can't predict anything. But if if one of my daughters brought home a girl like to Thanksgiving and that was her girlfriend or whatever, I don't think it would be like a big speed bump for me i think it, it would just be like oh you know i hope you're being nice to my girl like you know yeah. <laughs> like i just want to make sure you're treating but my you're girl right. i wonder about that but, all but the then time, i think yeah. about like the aunts and the uncles and the, right. and the i mean my siblings are cool but you know i mean but like and the grandparents you know and the assumptions and the fear and the oh my god they won't have a normal life and they won't have and it's like are like it's this old paradigm of like, you'll never get married and have kids and then live the dream. And uh, you know, it's like they're living the dream all over the place. It's like fantastic. You well, know? <laughs> and that's like I mentioned earlier, it's about dropping that pebble in the middle of the pond. Mm. Um, so let's say the kid comes to the parent and comes out to them. That's like one part of it. 
Parents then process their feelings. And then there's a family discussion. Who else do we want to know about this story? Because each time I hand the story off to someone, I no longer have control of it. Right. And that's a lot of people's biggest fear mm. is, can I trust you with my story? And I work a lot with people to really identify who are those close allies? Who are the people that you could say, yes, I know that if I hand them my story, I can trust them with it. And as they start to identify those allies, then we look at how would you start the process of telling them? And also knowing that even if it's the most trustworthy person in the world, it's a big story to hand off to somebody. And they may unintentionally say, like, you know, I hand it to you, Sophia. And you're like, wow, that's great. I'm so happy you told me. And then you're like, oh, it's a lot. Todd, can I tell you what I just learned? Uh Not in a gossipy way, not in a trying to spill someone's tea, but actually in a way of saying, I need support to hold this story myself. And then it starts expanding. That's a very compassionate way for you to look at that. (laughs) It is. I, I wonder about this all the time, though. Like, are we just... You know, as a society or a human race, maybe not the whole race, but at least in this country, I feel like are we evolving out of it being the giant scandalous deal that it often is, you know, with certain families when people come out? Because I look at my kid, you know, and he's got his best friend has two moms and his principal is married to a man. Uh, uh, you know, two men together. And he just has grown up Mm -hmm. uh, like with that in his life. And Mm -hmm. so, and he's still young and not a hundred percent, you know, he hasn't gotten into his own sexuality yet. And I wonder what that will do to his perceptions and all that. Mm -hmm. But I I just see so many kids and I know this is, we're in an urban society and we're 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 probably more progressive, blah, blah, blah. But is that, you know, a microcosm of more of the future and are these younger generations coming up? Is, is that a good hope for me to have a realistic hope that we're, the, the kids, when they get to our age, it's just not going to be that much of a thing? Well, you know, it's interesting. We're definitely making move, movement that way. But I want you to think about your kids' experience currently. So as they're in school, it's a very heterocentric story, mm-hmm. okay? Most of the information that they hear or witness is based on that heterosexual model. And so when you're surrounded by that most of your day, that sends this little tiny message in the back of your brain, I'm different and it may not be okay. Mm-hmm. And if you also look, recently here in California, we just passed the law saying that, that reparative therapy was something that you couldn't do. That's where they were bringing kids in and trying to turn them straight. Mm-hmm. That's in California within the last few years. In the state wow. of Texas, you can send your kids to Texas and you can have them get reparative therapy if you want them to come out straight. Right, right, okay? right. And the thing is, is all the major studies and psychological associations have said that reparative therapy, reparative therapy is damaging and does not work. Well, of course. That makes sense. Oh, well, I, makes, that's what I'm wondering. I mean, me obviously, like, you know... <laughs> Part of evolution is there's always these blowbacks against changes and, you know, people arguing about these things because of religious beliefs or whatever. But I just wonder if, you know, if there is hope in that. That's what I'm saying. I mean, because that answer says that, like, obviously we still have a huge problem and a long way to go. Yeah. But is there hope in that? Uh, For for me, there is anyway. Well, and for me, I do a lot of trainings nationally with organizations, with um, therapists, with a lot of recovery centers who work with teens about this. And that's why it's so important to me to get this message out there, to get the information out. 
I mean, what we're doing today, we're having this conversation. And if even one parent listens to this story today and says, you know what, I need to find out some more information, or wow, that conversation sparked something off in me, I'm going to think about this a little bit differently, mm-hmm. that's where the change is going to start happening. So you want, okay, so, so you want them to think about what it would mean to them, right? And mm-hmm. to talk to their co-parent, spouse, uh, about that. Yep. I have another question for you. Yes. Because I'm just thinking from a parental point of view. Okay. Just, just in your, your basic, you know, hetero concerns, we all are concerned about how soon our kids become sexually active. Mm-hmm. So if a parent has their child coming out to them and saying, uh, I'm gay, they should they assume that they know that because they have been sexually active with the same sex? Like, you're still kind of concerned of like, whoa, how deep are you getting into this with any gender, right? right? So uh, there's there's going to be, you know, it's sort of like the first time your, your daughter says, I have a boyfriend. You're like, oh, what does that mean? Are you holding hands? Are you like, what are you doing? So... Is there necessarily an assumption there that they've been sexually active or are they oftentimes coming from just their feelings and their attractions? Well, I think that's such a beautiful question because we're looking at the idea of a lot of people connect sexual orientation with sexual activity. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And it's the same developmental process any teen is going through. You're going to have teens that are having sex as young as 12, 13, 14. You're going to have kids that are waiting until in their 20s or later. Mm -hmm. Okay? But that is not connected to their story of sexual orientation. And it's a really unfortunate thing that's happened in, you know, our United States especially is there's been this kind of sexualizing of sexual orientation. Um, there's this idea that, oh, if you're gay or bisexual or queer, that you must be this like rampant person who's having sex everywhere. Right. And (laughs) if you think about how... Oh, if only there was time. (laughs) (laughs) But if you think about how most news stations like cover a gay pride parade, you know, first of all, they're doing coverage. Hooray, that's fantastic. But what they tend to cover is the sensationalized stories. Sure. The very like, you know, hey, look at those guys. They're dressed in assless chaps and they're dancing at a float. Woo! Good for them. But what they're missing... (laughs) Party on, guys. (laughs) ...is like there's this great organization, West Hollywood, that Mm -hmm. is a connection of dads who have children. And they're marching in the parade, too, but they're not getting the coverage. Right. So it's this idea of sexualizing... Well, to be fair, assless chaps. It's just better (laughs) television. But it takes this idea of, okay, well, sexual orientation must be connected to sexual activity. It's going to be the same journey for any kid. Okay. The caveat to that is that if you think about a teen comes out in high school, so you're normal, like your kids. Yeah. yeah. Your kids are going to go through and they're going to say, oh, I think that person's cute. I'm going to go date Mm -hmm. them. And there's no other story that goes with that. But if I'm a gay teen and I come out and I'm a guy, I may say, oh, that guy's really cute. I wonder if he's gay. Hmm. I'm watching him. No, he doesn't seem to be acting gay. No one's saying that. Oh, he's dating that girl now. I have to find that person that might potentially connect to my story and not reject me or shame me. Mm-hmm. And the unfortunate thing is, is most LGBT kids in school right now are looking at being verbally harassed on a regular basis. Um, about 74% of kids refer to that as being, I have been verbally harassed. And up to 36% of kids have said they've actually been physically assaulted for being open about their sexual orientation. God, really? Okay. God, that sucks. Those are depressing numbers. I'm not happy about that. Yeah, and these are actually as of 2014. So these are recent numbers. I mean, I guess we're we're talking 
all over the United States. We right? are. We're talking nationally. Yeah. So it's like again, we get spoiled because we're yeah. hanging out in a progressive town. Right. And yeah. a lot of schools are starting to take on no tolerance policies, which I think are brilliant. And it gives this safe space for these kids to express themselves in any way they want to. And that's the kind of movement that I like to encourage. And that's the place where parents can actually step in. Because parents putting a message to their schools about this is what we want and this is what we need is where the change is going to happen. Because parents are going to respond to what TS, sorry. Schools are going to respond mm-hmm. to what parents say they need and want in their school base. Well, we did, a, um, we did an episode on uh, transgender, um, c- um, talking to your kids about Caitlyn Jenner, blah, 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 when that mm-hmm. was going on. And um, one of the things that was explained to me, which I really loved, um, because it, this has to do with uh, equating um, gender, uh, sexual preference with sexual activity, right, mm-hmm. um, is that there is g- gender identity mm-hmm. and there is sexual preference, right? These two things are separate. And also there is gender expression. Wow, you had because, a good guest on oh, for that. Oh, she was fantastic. Oh, yeah. I love it. You probably know who she is. Um, but um, because the, the question that I hear from very conservative people is why should we even talk about it? Like, what does it matter who you want to sleep with? Like, why do like, you know, this idea that, that we have, um, that kids should be able to express who they are, um, and their, their sexual preference or whatever. It's not about that. It's about their gender expression, Mm -hmm. right? And, and where they are on the spectrum and just who they want to be completely. And if they dress a certain way and somebody assumes that, they're lesbian that they're not going to get their ass kicked for it Mm -hmm. you know that they can just be who they want to be it's not about them making out with a girl Mm -hmm. you know and i think that's where the confusion gets it's sort of like why should i have to deal with your uh sexual preference i don't care about your sex life it's like it's not (laughs) that's the rub i think that that and to me i think that those kids who wear their expression loudly, proudly, mm-hmm. and you know, saying, I don't really care what you think, those kids to me are the most amazing kids, and they're the precursor of where we're going. Yeah. Because by them being able to be that brave and step into the world and show that, they're going to influence the kids in their circle. And that's going to expand, and someday those kids are going to be parents. And they're going to say, oh, my God, you know what? You've come out to me. I had this best friend in high school. And we're still connected, and it's such a great thing. And I mm-hmm. know what gay or bisexual or lesbian or transgender means. And they have this opportunity to create this change. And those, to me, those kids, they're the brave ones. They are the brave ones. Okay. Let me, I just want to address one more thing before we wrap up. What do you have to say to the parents who, when their kid comes out and says, I'm bisexual, they're like, oh, you're just trying to be cool. <laughs> because again, the you know the cool kids that are out there expressing their you know their gender and their preference <laughs> and whatnot, they're so cool. I want to be different. I want to be you know people say like, oh, you're just trying to be cool. Everybody's bisexual now. Well, what do you have to say? To you that? know what I say to that is, <laughs> teenagers are always trying on their identities. Yes. And whether it's one day they want to get involved in religion or one day they're totally involved in reading a certain set of books or Mm -hmm. they're obsessed about the Star Wars movies or they're saying they're bisexual or they're gay or they're transgender. All of these things are fluid. And that's the joy of teenagers is Mm -hmm. watching them go through this journey, watching them being willing to say, this is who I am today. And then tomorrow it changes. 
And as mm -hmm. parents, it's such an opportunity to learn from those moments and not to try and lock our kids into any story. And potentially be inspired by it. I know plenty of people who are bisexual later in life because it's fun. Like, whatever. <laughs> They're having a good time. Like, what the, who am I to judge? Whatever. You know, I mean, we are fluid. We are humans. You don't know who you're going to fall in love with. Mm -hmm. I challenge you to know who you're going to fall in love with. <laughs> you assume they're going to have certain parts. Well, and for me, I've always said I mean, said you don't know. Todd, you could just turn around and fall in love with some guy tomorrow. I don't know. You just it don't could know. Happen. He could be awesome. It could happen. <laughs> My <laughs> wife is going to be pissed. Uh-oh. Oh, here she comes now. <laughs> no, I always say it's about falling in love with a person, not necessarily gender yeah their soul you, you know mm -hmm. people ignite you a certain way you don't know you don't know how you're gonna feel <laughs> yeah. yeah so this is this is great you have to come back again sometime please and um tell us how to find you so uh where do people get help if they are uh you know october 12th <laughs> okay who do they call so here's the deal my website is gayteentherapy.com you can also find me at johnsovec.com which is j-o-h-n S-O-V-E-C. And the cool kids can follow me on Twitter at John Zovec. I'm going to follow you. Oh, I want to cool. be cool. Yeah. Todd's cool, too. Where do we find you? Uh, you can watch You're the Worst on FXX okay. on We're Wednesday nights that. at 1030. Do it because he's awesome. And you can find me on Facebook at Sovie Venable. And if you're on iTunes or SoundCloud right now, please click subscribe. My book, MILF 101, is available on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. I would like to thank the good people here at Sideshow Network because they're always so nice to me. Thank you, John, for being here. This is great. Thank you, Todd, for being here. Mm, my pleasure. And this is Sophie Venable reminding you that you don't have to make your life perfect. Just make it fabulous.